morning. Amen? Praise God. Um, I want to just share a word this morning which I'm calling Paul's Gospel. Um, from the beginning of the church, there's always been false teaching that has poured into the church. The church has constantly had to deal with false teaching. Now, a lot of people go on about the devil. The devil doesn't have any power except deception. But what a power that is, and what havoc he has caused with deception. Amen? Because he, if he can mess with your minds, he can mess with your life. That's the fact. Um, you know, we have a saying that um, change the way you think and the way, you would change the way you feel. Or change the way you think and you would change the way you live. Yes. Amen. Everything flows out of your belief system. So if he, can, if he can confuse you and deceive you in that respect, then he has access into, into your life to mess with it. And so there's constantly been uh, false teachings. In fact, every single epistle in the New Testament except Philemon, has a warning against false teaching. That's quite remarkable, and probably in proportion we should be teaching on false teaching a little bit more than what we do, I think. But anyway, I want to share with you this uh, message which I'm calling Paul's Gospel, because there is a teaching that has come into the church, which is that Paul taught a different gospel to the other apostles. You may have heard that uh, teaching. And uh, that's designed, again, to distract you and confuse you. Well, which gospel are we to believe in? Did Jesus train 12 disciples to go and lay the foundations of the church as the apostles? And then all of a sudden say, ah, oh, no, I've changed my mind. I'm going to take this man now. And it's what he says, not what they say. How confusing is that? How crazy is that? But sometimes people say that because Paul... Um, on three occasions, can we just have the, thank you, three times Paul referred to the gospel as, quote, my gospel. For example, in Romans 2.16, he said, in the day when Jesus will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Then in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And then we go to Romans 16 verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. And so he, he often quoted about my gospel. Amen. And in fact... He said very clearly, the gospel that I teach, I didn't receive it from men, including the apostles. I didn't receive it from them. I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. Um, so we see that here in Galatians 1 verse 11 and 12. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that poses a question, and many of us and even, even taught that that means there's more than one gospel. There's the gospel that Jesus and even John the Baptist taught, and uh, that was taught then by the apostles, and then there's the gospel 
that Paul taught. So we're going to look at that this morning and ask that question. Is there more than one gospel? Was the gospel preached different to that of Jesus and John the Baptist, which they called the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom. When they came, they taught the gospel of the kingdom has come. Now, first of all, we need to note this, that the word gospel means simply good news. Amen? So if what you're hearing is not good news, it's not the gospel. If what you're hearing makes you feel condemned, makes you go home depressed and heavy-hearted, you have not heard the gospel. You've heard something else. Amen? Because it's good news. Amen? And it's news. It's not just good, it's news. Okay, when you hear the news, the newscaster is not telling you what he thinks will happen tomorrow. He's announcing what has happened that day. Amen? And so the gospel is an announcement of something that has happened on your behalf. Something which God did in Jesus <clears throat> 2,000 years ago by placing our sin upon Jesus as he went to the cross and bore it in our place. So it's not what we do here that the gospel is concerned with, but what Jesus did there at the cross. It's an announcement of good news concerning the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus announced the good news or the gospel of the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Now, what does that mean? They were saying that the kingdom of heaven has come to earth through Jesus, the son of David, as promised by the prophets. They were announced, Jesus was announcing that and John was announcing that. Now that is good news because as we know, there's a lot of bad things happening in this world. A lot of bad things and it's getting worse. There's a lot of sickness and suffering and disease. There's a lot of um, wars and fighting and arguing and, and a lot of rape and injustice. And we could go on and on about all the ugly things and evil things that are happening in our worlds daily that cause us at times to live in fear. Amen? But the good news is that one day that's all going to end. That's all going to end. Because Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and he announced the good news of the kingdom. It's here. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You cannot have a kingdom without a king. And he's saying, I'm here. The kingdom of heaven has come, is at hand. Now we know that that kingdom was rejected because the king was rejected by the Jewish people. Now this was all in the plan of God. In the wisdom of God, God used this. God has not cancelled his plan for the kingdom of God. Thank God for that. The kingdom of God will be established at the second coming. Amen. But when Jesus was rejected, and in fact not only rejected, but taken to the cross and crucified, that was the very means by which God offered salvation to the nations, to the world. Amen. So this announcement of good news was not just for the nation of Israel, but now it means salvation for the whole world. Praise God. So there are two stages to the coming of the kingdom on earth. First of all, John and Jesus announced that Jesus was the Messiah and he was offered to the Jewish nation as their king. Sadly, 
the Jews rejected Jesus. But this opened the way for the gospel age in which salvation is to be preached to all the nations. So the second stage of the good news of the kingdom is future. It will be finally and fully established at the second coming of Jesus. Amen. Now that which we know as the gospel of salvation, okay, is the good news that Jesus Christ, the rejected king, is now offered to the world as saviour and is to be received by faith in him. Whilst Jesus taught the message of the kingdom, he also taught in all the gospels, especially in John, that he had come to bring salvation to the world. It wasn't that there were two messages. Jesus taught this and Paul taught that. No, Jesus taught much on salvation and said that that's why he had come. Let's have a look, just a, a sample in every one of the Gospels. First of all, in Matthew, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Amen? Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 16, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Okay, we go to Luke. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And notice that, that Jesus, and we're going to see this quite a bit, that Jesus opened the scriptures to them. What scriptures was he talking about? The Old Testament scriptures. This is the message all the way through. God never changed direction, never changed plan. Even in the Old Testament, all the prophets were pointing forward to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen? John, we could spend the rest of our, our time here this morning speaking about the many times that John spoke about salvation from our sins through believing in the sacrificial death of Jesus. Probably the best known verse in the Bible is what? John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Then at the end of the, the uh, gospel according to John, we read these, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in his name. So very clearly, they're all teaching the same things. Now, some people say that on the basis that Paul claimed sort of ownership of the gospel, he spoke about my gospel, that makes it different to what the others preach because they were preaching the gospel before Paul came along but now he's talking about my gospel as if somehow he's he owns the gospel so it must be a different gospel that's the way people reason now let's have a look at that for example uh, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 7 Paul says but on the contrary when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised that's the Gentiles had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter. People say, see that? Two gospels. Two gospels. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying two audiences. Amen? Two audiences. 
Um, you know, we all have different ministries. Some people connect well with certain groups, whether it's age groups or cultural groups or national groups or whatever it is. Some people connect well with them, that their ministry is towards those people. So he's talking about ministry here, not different gospels. My ministry, he's saying, is to the Gentiles. I have a gift to reach, to go, uh, you know, outside of the Jewish nation and the Jewish culture and connect the gospel with the, the Gentile nations. Whereas Peter is really gifted to take that gospel, the same gospel, to the Jewish people. So Paul is not speaking of two gospel, but two audiences. He goes on to say, next two verses, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. Both apostles, both same gifts, different ministries. And when James, that's James, not the brother of John, James, the the half-brother of Jesus, who was one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church. When James, Cephas, that's Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So what he's saying is this. We, you know, you've got to understand the apostles heard about Paul preaching the gospel before they even met him because he already got the gospel from Jesus and went and preached the gospel and so there was inevitably going to be a time when they would meet up and they did I believe it was in Jerusalem and uh, Paul met them for the first time he says I wasn't in awe of them he says I understand they you know they seem to be pillars in the church great men of God but I know who I am I know the gospel I've received but we went to compare notes are we preaching the same gospel? Are we on the same page? And so they did that and they, they compared notes and they discovered, yes, we're preaching the exact same gospel. The only difference is we have a different ministry. Them to the circumcised and me to the uncircumcised. And the Bible says they shook hands in agreement. They gave them the right hand of fellowship. That word fellowship is from the Greek word koinonia. And it means to have in common. What did they have in common? The gospel. It's the same gospel. There's only one gospel. They shook hands on it and agreed on it and were working together, though they worked in different directions and to different audiences. So there were two audiences. Each required a special approach by this preacher, but not two gospels. Two cultures, but one gospel. Two ministries, but one gospel. This seals it, doesn't it? Romans 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first, which is what Peter and the others went to, and also for the Greek or the Gentile. means the same thing. Amen? Now, having said that, having said that, there was another gospel that emerged and was being preached, different to the gospel that we've just looked at, which is salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Because, you know, the the gospel, uh, in fact, the church began with Jewish people. And predominantly for the first 12 to 15 years, all Christians were Jews. 
okay? Actually, Pharisees came into the church. Pre those that used to be priests came into the church. But sadly, they did not really get clarity of understanding of the gospel, and they tried to put this new wine into old wineskins. And so they, they, when they heard that Gentiles were being saved, they said, we better get down there, check this out. So they went to these Gentile churches and said, hey, you, good that you guys are Christians, but you've got to become Jews. You understand that, don't you? Starting with circumcision. Well, that caused a furor, as you could understand. And so the Bible says, in fact, this. Um, there were legalists that came from the Jerusalem church, though not authorised, they went out from the Jerusalem church to, to say this to the Gentiles, but the apostles didn't send them. They didn't even know about it. They troubled. That's a word that is used. They troubled the Gentile believers. That word troubled in the Greek, it's used a few times. It means to upset, to unsettle, to throw into confusion. That's what a wrong gospel does, friends. I've seen it over and over and over again. The true gospel brings peace, assurance, joy, liberty in Christ. A wrong gospel all of a sudden brings a heavy cloud, a cloud of heaviness over a person, makes them confused. Well, I thought I had to just believe in Jesus. Now they're saying, I've got to keep this law, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. It's Jesus plus, 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 plus. I'm confused. And not only I'm confused, I'm, I'm depressed. That's what a false gospel does. And it's this word troubled. And look, look at how many times it's used. In Acts chapter 15, this was at the Council of Jerusalem where this was all sorted out. James says, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you, upset you, unsettled you, confused you, with words unsettling yourself, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to which we gave no such commandment. They've just gone off on their own back and done that. But they've troubled you. We can see what they've done. They've troubled you. Paul says the same thing to the Galatians. There are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Chapter 5, verse 10. He who troubles you shall bear his judgment whoever he is. And so this is what was happening right at the beginning of the church. The gospel was going out. There were things, how can I stop this? I know. I'll pervert the gospel. I'll distort it. I'll corrupt it so that it throws the church into confusion and people don't know what to believe. And they start getting condemned and they start getting dragged back under the old covenant again or trying to mix the covenants. And so that was happening right there at the early church and, and two gospels were being preached. Here's Paul's gospel. Okay, Paul's gospel. By him, Jesus, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, friends, this is not just a, a study in church history or dyed, uh, dry, sorry, dry, dusty doctrine. This is applicable to today. Did you, did you read what Paul's gospel says? 
If you believe in Jesus, you are justified from all things. There is not one sin that cannot be pardoned through the blood of Jesus and has not already been pardoned by the blood of Jesus. Now I say that because just this week, um, I, don't, I don't often comment on theological or doctrinal things in, on Facebook because you get dragged into things that just take your time up and uh, go on for ages. But, you know, recently, sadly, so sad, a, a, a dear young pastor who struggled with mental health issues took his own life. He just could not cope anymore and he took his own life. Like only two or three days before that, he was, because he was known to speak openly about his struggles with mental health and he often counselled people that were going through it because he could identify them. And only three days earlier, he talked a young lady out of committing suicide in his counsel. And yet, three days later, things were so black for him. He, you, know, you know, people commit suicide not because they want to end their lives. They want to end the pain. And they just cannot see any other way than to do that. And, and so he took his life. And, and somebody... There's a pastor, actually, in whose church I had ministered several times. But he wrote, you know, that this, this man now has gone to hell. Because he, I just could not let that one pass. And I just asked the question, are you saying that there is a sin which is greater than the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Amen. By him, he who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. There were things under the law of Moses that there was no forgiveness for. Murder, adultery, death by stoning. And there were other things. But the blood of Jesus, you know, this is the good news. Nobody can ever come to me and I have to say to them, I'm sorry, I have to turn you away. You're too far gone. There's no forgiveness for you go to hell wouldn't that be terrible that's not good news that's bad news but i can say to anyone who's listening to this today whatever you may have done the blood of jesus christ god's son will cleanse you and forgive you for that sin amen that's the gospel portal here's the legalist gospel and certain just two chapters later certain men came down from judea judea and taught the brethren, the brethren, <laughs> these people are already saved. Now he's saying, oh no, you're not. <laughs> Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, you're not there yet. There's more work to be done. So much for the finished work of the cross. Amen? And so this put the church in furor, and I think it's in the providence of God, that the first church council meeting was called together to resolve this issue so that we generations later can say, hey, hang on a minute, that discussion has been had. The decision's been made. It's official. Salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ according to his grace. Amen? No more, no more need to argue or debate, really. Just say, look, Reference back to the, the first council, the council of Jerusalem. But anyway, they all came together. They had to talk about this thing. And of course, the leader always was Peter. Peter was the first one to stand up. And he said, look, 
Get real, guys. We couldn't keep the law. It was a, a burden that was far too heavy for us, and you're trying to put it on these Gentiles. You know? And then he shared with them that he was actually the first one to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You remember? He was sent to the household of Cornelius. He didn't want to go. He'd have a vision, the, you know, the, the blanket coming down from heaven. You know the story. And uh, the voice said, you know, because he had all these animals in, rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no way, Lord, I won't, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. What God has cleansed, don't you call that unclean? Amen. Because he was going to send him to Cornelius' house and it was forbidden for a Jew to step foot inside a Gentile home. So when Peter went there, he said, I shouldn't even be here. But God gave me a vision, said, this is all changed now. And he started preaching the gospel. And you know what happened? When, when the gospel was being preached, in their hearts they were believing. And, and as they were believing, they were getting saved. He didn't have to ask for an appeal. You know, we just have some music now, just as I am, as, with that one plea, just come down the front. He didn't ask for a show of hands. He didn't ask them to pray a sinner's prayer. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. And how do we know they, they were saved? Because the Holy Spirit came upon them. The Holy Spirit is not given to unbelievers, only to believers. You, it's, it's, a, it's a type in the Old Testament. The oil does not, not go where the blood has not been. First the blood goes there, then the oil comes. Amen. They believed Jesus, they were washed in the blood, and they received the Holy Spirit. How do we know? They spoke in tongues. So there was, there was no debate. So what Peter was saying is, hey, I'm not making a decision on this. God made the decision. God endorsed their salvation openly and publicly by giving them the Holy Spirit. No reference was even made to the law. And yet they're saved because the Holy Spirit was given to them. And then Paul and Barnabas stood up. Um, running ahead of myself here. Um, Barnabas and Paul testified how God set his seal upon their preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, we, we, we know what he preached. We've, we've looked at the gospel. Believe on Jesus and you will be saved. And as they preached that, signs and wonders followed. God endorsed. This is the gospel. I'm adding my testimony to it adding my seal to it by healing the sick, by doing miracles. And so the emphasis was not on what Peter, Paul or Barnabas did, but what God did. He endorsed their preaching with signs and wonders. God owned the gospel of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. God owned it from heaven. Amen. Then James concluded referring to the tabernacle of David. Now this is a big subject. In fact, some of you know I've done a whole sermon on this. You can, you can get the sermon if you're interested because we don't have time to go through it. But something remarkable happened, which is during the kingship of David when the ark was recovered it should have been taken to the tabernacle of Moses and it should have been handled by the priest. Nobody else could touch it or, or deal with any of those things but David set up a little tabernacle and they brought that ark into the tabernacle of David 
And, and David was there. He was not a priest. He was from the kingly tribe of Judah, not the priestly tribe of Levite. Levi. And, and others were coming and just coming right into the presence of the ark and, and, and you know, singing about, under the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. What were, they, what were they saying? They were pointing forward to a day when there's no Jew or Gentile, no priest, no, no holy class and unholy class. There's going to be a new and living way where we can all come freely because of the shed blood of Jesus. And James says, this is what's happened. I think it was the prophet Amos prophesied, I will, in those days I will build again the tabernacle of David. This is what happened. The Gentiles are coming in now. No law. Jesus qualifies us all through his shed blood. Isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel, friends. That's the good news of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So only one gospel was preached by Paul and the others when you look through Acts, and that is faith in Christ. Philip, you remember, was an evangelist. It says that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached what? Christ to them. That's the gospel. Preaching Jesus. He is the gospel. Amen? You remember the Ethiopian eunuch who was coming back from Jerusalem reading the book of Isaiah, what we now call Isaiah 53. He will be led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb so he opens not his mouth. You know, by his stripes we are healed and so on. He was pierced for our transgression. And he's looking at this and, 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 and uh, Philip comes alongside him and says, who's he talking about? Is it about himself or someone else? So, Philip hopped up onto the chariot and the Bible says this, as they went down the road, uh, the Bible says that he preached Christ to him. As they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. That was the gospel. Do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe what you're reading there in Isaiah chapter 53, that he is the lamb that was slain for you, pierced for your transgression? I believe. Okay, let's get, let's get baptized. Same with, with um, Paul. You remember the Philippian jailer after the earthquake? Fearful. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Amen? Amen? You know, somebody, somebody can say, well, why isn't the gospel, or, or is the gospel clearly defined? Yes, it is. I'm glad you asked that question. In fact, Mark quoted it. Interesting. It's great the way everything is dovetailing in this morning. Mark quoted it. Here it is. Paul clearly defined the gospel. I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you. That is just, just keep believing in Jesus, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, here it is again, according to the scriptures, all the way through the Bible, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. 
If you believe that, you are saved. You can have the assurance of your salvation. Now, he went on to say that this is the same gospel that the others are preaching. I think Mark quoted that. Cephas, that's Peter, the twelve, James, these are preaching the same gospel. Then he said uh, in verse 10 and 11, but by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain, but I laboured more abundantly than they all, that's the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. Clear, isn't it? We preach the same gospel. Some of you got saved through their preaching. Some of you got saved through my preaching. Doesn't matter. Same gospel. Only one way that you can get saved. Now, as we've said, as we have said, he did warn against another gospel. But this was not that which was preached by Peter, but by those who added to the finished work of the cross. You remember the Council of Jerusalem? They all came together. There were the apostles, there was Paul and Barnabas, there were the elders of the church, there were these Judaizers who tried to bring Christians under the law. But there were two groups. Paul was with the other apostles, contending for the one gospel against these others. So uh, this false gospel, this other gospel, <clears throat> which was pre... Uh, sorry, but this was not that which was preached by Peter, but by those who added to the finished work of Christ. If you add anything to Jesus for a condition for salvation, it's another gospel. Whether it's the law, whether it's lordship, you know, somebody, somebody, a great preacher, I might say this, friends, some people make mistakes, but they don't, don't dis disqualify them. But he's made a big mistake on this one. He wrote a whole book on the lordship of Jesus and, and said, it, it, you know, refer to it as lordship salvation. That unless Jesus Christ is your Lord, he's not your saviour. In other words, he, he's got to be first in everything. So it comes back to you again. Did I make Jesus Lord in this? Did I make Jesus Lord in my, my family, my finances, my job, my thoughts and so on? And, and it comes back to you. Jesus is Lord. We don't make him Lord. He's Lord. Amen. He uses the strongest condemnation on those who preach a perverted gospel, pronouncing anathema. If anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. And in case we didn't get it, he repeated it. He said, no, that's, that is what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. If anyone preaches any other gospel, let him be, be accursed. This should serve as a severe warning to any today who teach that human works must be added to faith in Christ for salvation. You know, people call me a false teacher because I preach faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. And, and they, they give me a bad name as being a false teacher. When I look at their teaching, they're the false teachers. They're adding all crazy stuff that is not even in the Bible to their conditions for salvation. And yet they, they brand me a false teacher. I'm happy to stand with Paul and the apostles who resolved this issue at the Council of Jerusalem, salvation is by grace through faith. So let's just finish up then with Paul's gospel. 
whilst Paul and the apostles taught the same gospel, Paul was given so much more revelation. That's why he referred it to it as my gospel. He had a greater understanding. For example, he expounded the gospel of grace and justification by faith alone in much greater depth and clarity. <laughs> it's a magnificent, the work of Paul in Romans and in Galatians, talking justification by faith alone without works. Very clear. And how sin was imputed to Christ. All your sin, past, present, future, all paid for by that one sacrifice, once for all, and his righteousness imputed to you. He had a great revelation and understanding of that. He was given the revelation of our union with Christ, that we were baptized into Christ. It means that we now have a new identity. We're no longer in Adam. We're not the people we used to be. We're people who are in Christ. We died, we were buried, and raised with Christ, and now we're seated with him in the heavenly places. That's our position, and it's our position that determines our condition. Amen? being joined to Christ, we experience his life through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so I just hope that what I've shared today, if you come across this teaching, you are clear in your mind. Actually, we had somebody here. Um, he pops in from time to time with a new doctrine. And he preached this. He tried to get one or two of our people. And, and, and this was his latest and greatest revelation used to be two of them that came together. He came on his own this time. I said, what's happened to the other one? He said, oh, we had a fallout. I said, oh, then, then there was one. I said, it goes. They, they disagree with everyone about everything, and, and in the end, they're the only ones that are right about anything, and they try to put the whole world right. Crazy. But you, you might come across this. I want you to be clear. There's only one gospel. It's good news. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are cleansed of all your sin. You have eternal life. You have righteousness imputed to you. You can have insurance in your heart. You can have peace in your heart. You can have joy in your soul. Amen? Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. In fact, I would say, if there's anybody here today, you've never done that. I urge you, I encourage you, I exhort you today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. No excuse for you not to because there's nothing you have to do. You cannot do it. Paul says you cannot ascend into heaven to bring Christ down. You cannot descend into the depths to bring him up. What does the word say to you? The word is near you, even in your heart and in your mouth, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved. No excuse for you not to be saved, but your pride. Just come as a sinner, say, Lord, I too am in need of your salvation. You died for my sin. I, I accept that. I receive that. And I rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. From this moment on, I, like we sang this morning, I dare not trust in any other thing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? Settle it today. Settle it today. This is my hope. This is my salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Your word which is so abundantly clear on this issue. At least, Lord, we thank you that we are, we are left in no uncertainty. 
there is no doubt. It's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus alone is sufficient. Lord, you have spoken to the world in these last days through your Son. Even as was predicted and spoken of in the Scriptures, prophesied by the prophets of old, we thank you that Jesus has come. He has been obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Lord, you raised him from the dead. You were pleased with that sacrifice. You accepted it fully because he was a lamb without spot or blemish or any such thing. And Lord, we thank you that for all those who put their trust in Jesus, they can have assurance beyond any doubt that they are saved, they are born again, they have eternal life, and they will be with you for eternity. Lord, I pray that even today, even Lord, as people listen to this message, that they would put their trust in Jesus and Jesus only and never ever be swayed by false teachings and false doctrines. We ask it for his glory and his glory alone. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God.